I'd like to welcome you as we gather together in this unusual format. But in a way, what it reminds us of the fact is that the Lord Jesus is one who hears our prayers, regardless of if we get to sit across from the room together or if we are digitally across a computer screen. I want to welcome you to Hope Church this morning. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we dedicate this time to the Lord. Lord, we love you and we accept on a morning like this that there are a tremendous amount of emotions that are associated with these last few days. Some of us, as we've experienced this disruption, it has led to deep disappointment and even discouragement. And I just pray right now for our church family, those who are wrestling through, like every one of us, what it means for us to have this experience of a disruption. I pray, Lord, for us that we would find ourselves desperately dependent upon you. I thank you for your provision for us. I I thank you for your knowledge. I thank you for your steadfast love that never ceases. And I pray as we dedicate this time to you, Lord, that you would continue to be the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, that you would grant us peace that surpasses our circumstances. And I do pray, Lord, that the joy of you, your joy, would be our strength. And I ask, Lord, for every person that hears my voice today, that that beyond my voice, that they would be crystal clear hearing your voice today. They would be reminded of your goodness and that you would be honored in the way that we respond to everything that's been in transition, that you would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to remind you this morning that certainty can be found in uncertain times. Yeah, I, can't, I can't believe it, but we were laughing. We heard yesterday, like the, the most common question or one of the most common questions that people are typing in their computers is what day of the week is it? Because we're, we're in this time period that we keep hearing unprecedented. It's constant transition. What's going on? So much change. And church, I want to remind you this morning that there's this wonderful statement that was recorded in the book of John chapter 16, 33, that, that says these words. And I want you to hear them again because they're so important. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Lord Jesus' words there remind us of a number of things. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people who need to understand that he warned us that in this world we're going to have trouble. Now, in these last few days, as, as things have unfolded, there's been this, this constant flux and transition of how we respond to that trouble, the, the way that we react to it. And I I can't help but think of the the time that I go into the eye doctor. You may have experienced this yourself where where you sit at the glaucoma test. You know, the one where they stick your face in the little machine and and they warn you. They say, it's going to happen. We're going to put a puff of air in your eye. And then there's this this moment where even though you know that it's going to happen, you're anticipating it, it still shocks you when it does. And I can't help but think for for those of us who are Christ followers that have gone through this, that in this surreal, constantly changing, fluid situation that has surrounded us at every turn, 
that the warning that in this world we're going to have tribulation or trouble is not just significant, but it's so significant. And this is the message that I want to share with you this morning as we're talking through a unique series called Stormproofing. What it means for us to be people that, that are able to not just experience the, the constant transition that's in front of us, but to remember that there's a God who has the ability and has already done so overcome the pains of the world. That he is truly the eye of the storm for us. That he is our ever-present comfort in our time of need. And this morning, I want to draw your attention and I'd encourage you to get your Bibles out, turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4. And as we continue on this series called Stormproofing, I want to encourage you this morning that you do not have to be washed away by this storm that we're all experiencing together. We, we've recognized that this is not just unique to us, that this is impacting literally everyone that, that has the ability to hear these stories in the world of what's happening. And as we universally respond to this, I want to encourage you that there are these recorded times in history where even the disciples stood back and they said, Lord, what's going on? We don't get this. We're scared. This is frightening. And that the Lord Jesus' voice, I hope you hear it today, that he's going to say to you that you can trust me in the midst of the most challenging times in your life. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. I encourage you to follow along with me as I read this maybe familiar passage of scripture, but that is a synopsis of a storm that the Lord Jesus said, we got this. We have this says this in Mark 4.35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking onto the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that the wind and the sea obey him? The first point that flows out of the text for me as the Lord Jesus in this historical event is exhausted. He's, he's been ministering all day. There have been tremendous events that happened in that day of history. And, and Jesus is so tired that he asked the disciples to take him to a less crowded part of Galilee. And as they're crossing this sea, what happens is this tremendous storm whips up, storm whips up. And, and what we see is this, this first point that flows out of the text for me is when Jesus says something is going to happen, that something is going to happen. That he is a promise-keeping God. That he said to them, and it seems a little subtle in the text, but he said to them, we're going to go now to the other side. And so they start the process. He falls asleep in the back of the boat, exhausted. And in these, in these verses, what we see as he leaves the crowds behind and as he's resting, that, that the disciples then start to see this windstorm that, that lifts up around them. 
If you um, are familiar with Israel, you'd know that the Sea of Galilee is the largest freshwater sea in, it's actually a lake that's in Israel. And it's amazing. It, it, the square mileage or the square footage of this lake would be, is if we had added the square footage of the city of Strongsville, Brunswick, Medina, and Middleburg Heights together. It's about 64 square miles. And this sea is unusual because it is the deepest freshwater, um, freshwater lake in the world. And it, it's kind of like a bucket, or if you've ever been on a cruise, that, that the, the swimming pool on a cruise, that, that what happens is that with the mountains that surround it and the unique way that the wind comes in, that it can allow a storm to come up instantly and it can be dangerous. I was in Israel uh, several years ago and had scheduled to, to do a boat trip across the Sea of Galilee um, about eight miles across and they had to cancel it because of the fact that it was too rough. And that was, they said that was extremely common. So, so here they are in the boat with Jesus ready to cross this. And he says, we're going to go across. And then this windstorm sneaks up upon them. Now, now Jesus is here in the boat with them. And what we know is that Jesus up to this point had been reminding them of who he really was. That he's the Messiah. He's, he's the hope of the world. That, that he would be predicting his death in such a way that it was going to not happen in a boat at sea. He was confident of that. And he, in his wisdom and in his knowledge of the disciples, said, we're going to go to the other side. But in the midst of the difficult circumstances that were around them, they just saw what was frightening. They just saw the potential for this boat as the water comes in over the side and they, they have this moment where they think, does Jesus not understand what we're going through? Does he, does he not get it that the boat is, and, and I want to pause right now and say to you, church, that, that when we say that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that when we pray, Lord, your will be done, Lord, would you pray your hand of protection over us as a family? Would you care for the needs of our church? Would you... When we prayed those prayers a month ago, he heard those prayers. And when we pray them in this moment of desperation, he hears our prayers. And there's a reminder to us that, yes, in this world, we will have trouble. But we're also reminded that he is sovereign, that he's good, that he's still continuing to work out his plan on behalf of his people. The image of the eye of the storm is helpful for me. As the Lord stands up and he rebukes the wind and the sea. It says this in verse 39. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, this is a great word, peace, be still. I don't know if it was just that he said peace to the storm, but he says peace to the disciples as well. Settle down. It's going to be okay. You can trust me. I'm strong and I'm good. I think one of the most amazing experiences in my life was the privilege of, of going skydiving. And in that experience, one of the things that happens is that as you go, I, I did a tandem skydiving trip um, here in Ohio. And one of the things that, that I experienced in that process is that as you go to the edge of the airplane and you've got a guy strapped to your back that, that you look down and, and part of the tandem skydiving experience is one where, where there's a few minutes there of free fall or a few seconds of free fall. And, and it's, it's pretty crazy. Actually, you, you jump out and, and all you experience is this overwhelming sense of emotion and, and, and wind and it's chaos. And, 
And in that chaos, I can't help but think that that's where many of us are today, that we're, we're in this kind of moment where we're going, what is going on? But, but the only reason why I was crazy enough to skydive is because I knew that I was strapped to somebody who'd done this before. I knew that I was strapped to somebody who understood when they packed that parachute, they knew exactly what we needed to get down safely. That he wanted me to get down just as much as I wanted to get down safely. And I want to remind you this morning, church, that, that when it comes to Jesus being the one that's in the boat with us, that in the chaos and, and the overwhelming feelings that we have of disappointment and, 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 and every person that's hearing this has, has had their lives disrupted. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you are thinking about your family members and your heart is breaking because you're worried about them. Are you worried about yourself? You're recognizing that there's so much change. But what I want to gently remind you of is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he says, what are you fearing? I'm here with you. I'm here. And he wants to co-labor with us through this stage of our lives. He said these words to the disciples. He woke, he rebuked the wind. He said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I know that we're in the midst of a storm. But the second point this morning, when we understand the first point being that when he says something's going to happen, he's a promise keeping God. He fulfills what he has said to us that he's going to do. The second point this morning is Jesus does not ignore the storm. He knows that he's stronger than the storm. Especially when we accept that we're in his boat, we're in his care. We can be dauntless. That we can be individuals that look at the hardest challenges of our life, disappointments, discouragement, and we can look at them through a lens that's radically different than those. It's fascinating to me that a number of the disciples were fishermen, that that little sailboat that they would have been in would have been an area where they had tremendous skill. They would have taken great pride in their ability to navigate difficult waters. The Sea of Galilee was home for them. But yet the Lord's rebuke wasn't, hey, you're, you're better sailors than this. You got this. It was actually together, we're going to continue to do what I've asked you to do. It's interesting in verse 40, he says to them, guys, why are you still so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. Uh, that, that word fear, reverence, respect. This is the same, like an awe of God. They're just, they're just in awe of him. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love that it was Jonah's disobedience that led his, to his storm. And it's, it's Jesus's fulfillment and obedience that ends up calming this storm. That that this word that is in Greek that describes the fear of the disciples, that they're, they're just in respectful awe of the goodness of God, of who he is, his, his, his fact that he is overwhelmingly powerful. And church, I want to remind you today that there is no storm that is going to get in the way of the work of God. So for some of us, We've, we've wrestled with this. I've had you reach out to me and I appreciate you reaching out to me. I want to continue to shepherd you through this the best that I can. And our staff team wants to do that extremely well right now. We love you. Our elders want to continue to encourage you and support you. We love you. 
But for some of you, this question has come back. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why, 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 why me? Why this disruption in my life? And that question of why is one that has come up throughout scripture. And I want to give you just one quick snippet, a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but to encourage you, one quick snippet out of the book of John chapter nine, verse three, where there was a, a man who was blind from birth and the disciples wanted to say to him, why is it that this man is blind? Is it because of his sin or is it because of the sin of his parents? And it says this in John 9, uh, beginning in verse 2, it says, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am in the light. I am the light of the world. It is important for you to hear this morning that neither of the disciples' options was the reason for this man's blindness. It wasn't because of his parents' sin, according to Jesus, or his own sin. But rather, God had permitted this so that he might display his works in this man's life. It's wrong to conclude that in every instance of suffering, that this springs immediately from a particular act of sin— uh, we know that Job is a good example of that, that it wasn't because of his sin. But some individuals or some individual suffering does come from sin that was brought upon this in their own lives. First Corinthians eleven twenty nine 29 teaches that. But some sin, uh, for some trices, for some struggle, it's not a result of sin at all. Luke 13, 1 through 5 reminds us of that fact. It's also wrong to conclude that God permits every instance of suffering because he intends to miraculously relieve it. There have been stories that have been in the news of, of individuals who have basically assumed that because God is their God, that they're impervious to the struggles of this world. And it's important for us to remember that we live in a fallen, fallen broken world, that sin was never the plan, that, that the sin that happened originally between Adam and Eve in front of a God that offered for them intimacy and life without death, that we all, through them, made a choice that would result in the reality of sickness and death. And as it's around us, I think it's important for us to change the question. We want to know, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me, to my family, my son that's graduating, my daughter that's getting married? Why? And I, I think this is helpful. The question for us is not where suffering has come from, but what we are to do with it. We notice that from this positive viewpoint of Jesus, the disciples viewed this man's condition as an indication of divine displeasure. But Jesus saw this as an opportunity for divine grace. In his mysterious and wise providence, God sometimes allows his children to go through hardship and suffering so that they can experience God's mercy and his power in delivering them. One of my favorite truths in scripture is that it says that the Lord allows to, the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Been in places where rain was desperately wanted. I've been in places where rain ruined, it felt like it ruined something that was important. And I, I look at that and I say, right now, there's no easy answer for why. 
One thing I love about God and I love this about David's interaction with him is that that even us looking at him and saying, Lord, why? That he can handle us asking that question. But I want to affirm in our church body that there's a group of people who've moved beyond wrestling with just the why and, and understanding that we're probably not going to have easy answers for it. And they've moved into how can I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And how can I love my neighbor as I love myself? The mission is still in front of us. It requires courage and it requires compassion. These individuals that were in that boat with Jesus were not reminded of the fact that they needed to be better sailors. They needed to actually depend on their Lord. And church, I want to remind you today of, of the most important words that we can possibly say in the midst of any crisis in our life. These words are, Lord, save us. Those words are recorded in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. The same account of the same storm, the same trip across the sea. And as it was recorded by Matthew, he says this, And when he got into the boat and his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. And so the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Those words are probably the most important words that we can remember at this time. Lord, save us. It's been amazing if you've watched the news, the different strategies and solutions that individuals have come up to solve this crisis. One one country's leader said that he's counting on good luck charms and he carries around a $2 bill in his pocket to help to, to protect him. There's examples of, of individuals trusting in things that some might be really, really good things. Some are things that seem to be so empty, but I don't know where you're finding your trust in. I hope it's not in the stock market. I hope it's not in uh, the ability to, like we could just fill in the blank with so many things. I, I don't know what the solution is for you. That's, that's something that might be empty or unpredictable or inconsistent. I hope that you find your stability on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. In those words, Lord, save us what we see is that that's exactly what would happen for the disciples. His capacity to protect them was one that was profound at that moment. We still pray, Lord, would you miraculously spare us? Would you spare our country? Would you protect our family members? That kind of prayer is, is extremely appropriate for us. Beyond that, though, we recognize that we still say, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we depend upon you. Last week in the, the passage that I preached in the first part of this stormproofing series, we talked about the Lord Jesus Christ saying that there's going to be storms in our lives, that we can decide how we're going to build our lives on the sand or on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that passage, if you've studied it, is all about judgment. And judgment for us when it comes to these times where we recognize that we're all temporary people, that our lives will come to an end at some point. The most important question for every person is to begin with this question of what is it that I have done with the offer of the love of Christ in my life? 
Am I a person who's chosen to receive it? Have I accepted the, the work that the Lord Jesus has done on my behalf? Or am I a person who's chosen to ignore that truth? That's the difference between a person who builds their life on sand or a person who builds their life on rock, on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, um, the John the Baptist said before the Lord Jesus came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I want to remind each one of us that, that this is one of those times in our life where it's very appropriate for us to just stand back and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me today about me? What, what in my life am I choosing to accept that I, I'm not accepting your promises as being the thing that I'm holding to as the deepest truth? And I want to remind you of the simple, powerful promises of God. When Jesus says something's going to happen, something's going to happen. We don't ignore the storms that are around us, but we trust in him. And we say these words, save us, Lord. Today is a day that we can find ourselves within the eye of the storm. You, you've heard the descriptions of that, that in the midst of everything whipping around in a hurricane, that there's this, this space that's in the middle of it that, that, that often individuals find themselves in where they can even literally see the sun still in the midst of so much transition, so much chaos. And I want to encourage you, church, on a, on a day like today with so much that's unknown, I want to ask you to make one specific application of this. I, I do want you to be people who depend on the Lord. I do want you to be people who take this seriously. That you see that he has the potential of getting you through every step of this. I want to remind you that it is our privilege today to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Lord, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. I desperately need you today. I receive your loving kindness, not because of my deserving it, but because of your provision for me. And that's for the individual that has prayed that, that prayer, interacted with the Lord that way before in their life, or for those who are doing that for the very first time. Every one of us are feeling the reality of being in an unsettled place. And we, we find ourselves wake, trying to wake up the Lord and say, Lord, what, what, what's going on? Are you... And, and the reality is he's been in control all of the time. He loves you. He knows your needs. He knows what your fears are. And he has said to you, together, we are going to get through this. I believe that's a promise that we can take to the bank. I believe that is his truth. And so I want to go back to those words that I began with in this message as I close and, and remind you of this. The Lord said to us, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we love you and we thank you for your knowledge of us. That's perfect. You say to us these things in your word that are really the word of life for me today. That, that you say that if you um, care about the birds that are around us so much, uh, why can't we just trust that you're caring for us? Lord, I, I thank you for this, this historical event that took place thousands of years ago. And that 
in many ways has been repeated throughout history of times of great crisis that Christ followers have chosen to depend upon a God that loves them, that knows their needs more than what they do, that there have been individuals who've not just been reactive, but that there are individuals who've responded, trusting deeply in a savior that cares about them, that has not forgotten them. And so I thank you that in the history of the world, a world that is broken, that you have chosen to offer us the solution of hope. I pray for our church family that in the midst of unsettled times, that you would be the one that we seek to be the solution. I pray for even those who are so caught up in fear that the model of the Lord Jesus Christ, being able to rest amidst a storm that's raging around us, that even that simple image would be what defines us today. That we, we serve like crazy till we're exhausted, but that we find ourselves also resting in you. I pray for our church family that we would be courageous and compassionate. I pray that we would pursue those who, who need to be pursued at this time. And Lord, that we would do so with a joy that is even beyond our circumstances. We love you. We thank you for Hope Church. We thank you for technology and those who serve us to help make a service like this today possible. We ask that your will would be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to participate in a couple of things. I, I, I've been so encouraged to hear some of your stories of this challenge that I've given, reaching out to 19 people that uh, you might not have if you hadn't been deliberate about it through technology, neighbors, whatever that looks like. And the stories that have come back to me have been extremely encouraging. I have my own versions of that, uh, where there have been conversations that have been fruitful. I also want to invite you to join us this Wednesday evening. Our plan is to do an online prayer gathering. Uh, we, um, uh, we would like to do it over technology, and you can go to the website to find out more information about that. But we'd love to hear your voice, love to see you. We'd love to pray with you if possible at 630 on Wednesday night. Um, beyond this, um, we're striving to do this as a church family to, to care for the needs that are around us. And so let me just encourage you that um, in, a, in a time like this, um, it's appropriate for us to take care of our own families, our own selves, but it's also uh, very significant for us to, to pursue those who are around us uh, to offer hope. So I love you, church family. I miss you. Wish that you were with us together. We were able to be together. I long for that day, um, when and if it comes, that it's something that we can look forward to, hopefully in the near future. But beyond this, um, we trust that he, he is good and that his love endures forever.